Yo, what is up, y'all? It's kind of 50% of your Vols ATB crew here. Me, Brando, and Drew uh, here going with another episode of Hard Knocks UT. Uh, Lowe's out there trying to secure a sponsorship bag. Alex is out there still trying to be a doctor. So me and Drew are kind of going to out here uh, try to secure the brand for a week and get us kind of by. Drew, a lot to talk about in this week. But first off, how you doing, man? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Finally done with the work week, which is quite nice. I'm going to have a nice little long weekend and mentally oh, be yeah. prepared for next Friday's uh, live kickoff show with Troy Fleming and Jabari Davis. Uh, it's going to be a good one, man. I'm, I'm pretty fired up about it. I'm not sure about yourself, but it's definitely going to be entertaining to say the very least. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, first off, Wednesday, getting a long weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, four-day weekend. Mm-hmm. Can't complain there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the live show next Friday. I don't think we're doing a show on Wednesday, but obviously live in person. Skybox Bar and Grill, August 19th, my 22nd. I know it's like the first time the full crew is going to be together in person. And we're also having Juice Davis, Jabari Davis, and Troy Fleming, two VFLs. Cannot complain. Uh, obviously, a Friday night in Knoxville. Going to be rough, going to be rowdy, but going to be fun. Kicking down the season. I think when we get to there, it'll only be 13 days until game time. So mm-hmm. we'll be back all together. Or me and you will be back in Neyland two weeks after that. So uh, super excited for that and everything coming with it, getting everything set up. And uh, obviously, want everyone to come out there. We're going to drop the address and promote it more and more as this next week goes on. But super, super excited for that first in-person event. I know I got a lot of people excited for it. So definitely looking forward to meeting y'all. Drew, going to the football field, a lot of activity. Obviously, everyone's favorite time of the year. Uh, we've been blessed to have a basketball and baseball program that's been successful. But now we're in the football season, the final countdown, fall practice. Josh Heupel year two, a lot, a lot of good notes coming out. Obviously some concerns. Um, Kamal Hayden on the defensive side, he hasn't practiced in four or five days. He's reaffirmed on social media that he's fine. Uh, they also had Brew McCoy, a wide receiver transfer from USC and Jalen Wright sideline, getting sideline work, uh, participating in solo drills, but nothing really in game. It sounds like with those three guys are kind of trusting the process and being safe with it. Uh, kind of, you know, letting them get ready for the season. Like if they're rusty, they're rusty. But by the time Florida and the SEC play comes in, they're going to get the bang for their buck and try to, you know, get them as healthy as they can. Mm-hmm. Obviously for the good part though, everyone's shining. Uh, I don't know about you, but I had a few names, Jalen Hyatt, mm-hmm. uh, obviously the, the true freshman on the offensive side, Dylan Sampson having a crazy highlight with running the ball. sounds like he's going to get a lot more touches Ramel Keaton and stepping up and then having guys like Walker Merrill, uh, Jimmy Callaway and some more stepping up on the offensive side. What's what's been your biggest takeaway going into that? I think it's definitely Dylan Sampson. You know, I think everyone got really excited about Justin William Thomas as deservingly so. You know, after Thanks. his spring practice and you know Jalen Dixon coming in, but man, you know Dylan Sampson has really just. I mean, he has took the. I mean, a huge step over the last two or three weeks over here in fall camp. You know, grab a couple touchdowns during the scrimmage as well. And, I mean, he's mostly sharing the twos, uh, you know, that, you know, number two spot behind Jabari with Justin William Thomas as well. And so I think he's definitely a guy where you're going to at least – he's going to have some production for you this year. Um, You know, he's going to be sharing – I mean, you know, all four four of those guys that running back with Jalen Wright, Justin William Thomas, Lynn Dixon, once Lynn gets, you know, used to the system, of Mm -hmm. course – and, you know, Dylan Sampson, they're all going to be sharing the ball. And it's just nice and it's just a great refresher for once. So, like, we actually have some quality depth behind the running back position because I think it's been a very, very long time since we've had that. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me in the very least, though, that with his, you know, 22 and a half mile an hour speed, if you see him at kickoff returns as well. So, I think regardless, the kid's going to be getting a lot of playing time this year, whether it's special teams, in the offense, anything like that. But, you know, also another big key for me was, you know, Jeremy Banks has taken a, even another big step as well. You know, he actually had an interception over, you know, a pickoff, you know, ended Hooker. And it wasn't necessarily yes. as a bad throw from Hooker, but it was just an unbelievable play from Jeremy Banks. So just to see that linebacker room just stay healthy with Jawan Mitchell as well, and they're taking that extra step. And Jawan Mitchell on top of that is carving in as a unique role. I, you know, this couldn't be a better fall camp, I think, for Tennessee fans have wanted. Yeah, to uh, touch on your offensive notes, Dylan Sampson kind of, you know, under the radar recruit. Obviously, Justin Williams Thomas, like you said, came in later and everyone kind of took advantage of that. 
didn't kind of look at the three star from Baton Rouge who's taken off. He broke Eddie Lacy's record out there for a reason, in my opinion. Came in, obviously has speed, didn't really have weight, but it looks like he has the mindset. He's put on some solid mass on there. He's looking in the field like he belongs, learning the pass protection at a you know a younger side. Also, Lindsay Dixon, uh, Lindsay Dixon, Coach Heupel saying that he's fully eligible to go, so that's really big news. And then it also sounds like Justin Williams Thomas is getting down with the pass protection. But you know, Jabari Small sounding like he's a clear running back one, looking great in practice. Jason Swain even kind of tweeting out saying that Jabari Small is him. That's all y'all need to know. Had a good solid 2025 20, reps. And then uh, Dylan Sampson coming in there and you know getting along. That running back room, like you said, it's stacked. Uh, Pinning to the defense, Jeremy Banks. He's finally getting, you know, along, learning that defensive side of the ball, like leading the defense, being that alpha guy, being able to jump a pass like that on Hendon Hooker. I don't think it was a bad pass. Like you said, that's just Jeremy Banks adapting. And even Hypel, you know, gave him the credit from the start of the press conference the other day, was saying how good Jeremy Banks has adapted. Also, you know, having guys on the younger side, uh, James Pierce, Joshua Josephs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still thinking those guys are going to be major contributors, not like, huge, huge starters, but maybe like 15, 20 solid plays a game. Guys like that and Tyree West that are coming in as true freshmen, kind of shining strong on there. Uh, Then you got the guys that are kind of leading the way with Jeremy Banks at the uh, DBs. You got a young guy like Christian Charles who's been shining. You got the uh, Alabama transfer from last year that shined out, Brandon Turnage, who's Mm -hmm. making his mark on the DB field, sounding like a true leader out there. So it's all looking nice on the defense. If everything can get carved up there, I think we're most – deep can't believe i'm saying it at the db position now this year and we still got some guys kind of banged up out there but you have a leader like trayvon flowers out there i look at the linebacker room the d line room um more interior and you know being able to stop the run going into the season from a quarterback last year that being our huge huge problem i'm hoping that kind of this year in practice being able to stop the run and people taking advantage of our tempo has been like one of the bigger keys but all in all, it looks like the notes coming out. You know, it's great to see defensive notes from such an offensive heavy team that just t- usually talks about offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the one big thing, though, is just the fact that, you know, even Ronnie Gardner mentioned that Joshua Josephs and James Pierce are two type of guys where he could see them in, you know, big key third down situations, have them mm-hmm. out the field. Back to someone like Ronnie Gardner himself who's one of the best defensive line coaches in the country and has been for the last 20, 25 years. For him to come out and say that already, especially when we have Tyler Barron and Byron Young already on that D-line, I think it speaks volumes. And I think it's huge, though, because you got to remember, I mean, last year we had about seven or eight guys on defense that played over 700, that played 600 to 700 snaps, mm-hmm. you know, which is insane. You know, most of them were starters like Matthew Butler and a couple others, but like, the fact that we finally have some quality depth in those key positions, like defensive back, which if you had told me that two and a half, three months ago, I would have called you a lunatic. But, like, you know, now DB and now D-line, I mean, that's huge. And I think this is going to be the huge key for Heupel and his staff to take that next step for Tennessee, quite frankly, to get the respect that, you know, it, it needs, it deserves as a program. So, great fall camp. Most important thing, though, is no one's gotten injured yet. Knock on wood. Nice. No one's gotten injured yet from the scrimmage. And, you know, the Kamal Hayden, Bree McCoys, they're just taking precautionaries. It's good. Another big note, which I was surprised you kind of left this out, was that Christian Charles got off that red jersey and he's back. Oh, yeah, facts. He's got the full contact and now, which is huge. I'm telling you, I think if there's one guy in that secondary besides Theo Jackson that's going to ball out for us, it's Christian Charles. I mean, he is a natural safety, I think, or a natural secondary, you know, defensive back. He's taken huge strides over the last three or four months in spring practice. And I, I think he's going to be your starter. I mean, by ball state, I really do. Yeah. I'm going to uh, first correct you. I don't know who you meant, but you said Theo Jackson, Theo Jackson's in the NFL for the Tennessee Trayvon Titans. Flowers. No. Trayvon Flowers. Okay. That it's, makes more sense. It's not hard getting mixed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, for sure. Trayvon Flowers is all in all a great leader for the defense. I preach about that guy coming back this year. And I think he's set for a great year as well, but having a guy like Christian Charles who wants you know, flash last year early as a true freshman, but this year kind of, you know, getting getting used to everything, fully healthy, uh, got banged up early this year, but got out the red jersey, like you said. I think he's going to be a huge contributor uh, along with Brandon Turnage. And also wanted to give credit to uh, Wesley Walker and Andre Turrentine. Sounds like they're making a huge impact and going to have their kind of part to play in the defense as well. Uh, sounds like Wesley's kind of taking that Theo Jackson role. So to bring the whole Theo Jackson thing back to relevance, Wesley Walker might be our new uh, Theo Jackson, but 
like you said, knock on wood, no injuries yet. And the ones that have kind of been out, uh, you know, out of precautionary reason, Brew McCoy, Jalen Wright, um, everything else there. Obviously, got to worry about Brew McCoy getting eligible. It sounds like that's on the way. It's not. I've heard it's not an NCAA thing anymore. It's more of a USC signing the papers and getting him here before the season starts. And if that's all it is, I don't see any reason why the new regime over there at USC would be petty enough not to sign it. So I fully expect him to be ready and uh, probably eligible by the next week or two. All in all, a huge, huge part for there. Um, kind of leading on with the Tennessee offense, Drew, the news, you know, 24-7, kind of dropped their little thing, putting the prediction out today. Tennessee is projected to have the number two offense this year, according to 24-7 sports analyst Brad Crawford, ranking Tennessee number two behind Ohio State in his top ten. I, I think, you know, last year, what it was a top 10 offense. Is it kind of crazy, you know, looking at his like Hypo's track record of going back and forth? It's always kind of improved. You didn't lose anyone on offense on paper, kind of gained in the running back room, kind of fixed the hole you lost in Tyon Evans, got someone else on the other side of Cedric Tillman, fixing the, you know, Javante Payton and Valus Jones. You, you know, you rebuilt that offense, should go out there and put on numbers, but number two in the country, do you think that's possible? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about this was an offense last year where Heupel even said himself, he only really, you know, released about 25% of the playbook, even just the basic fundamentals. And we broke the school record for most points scored in a season and had the number seventh offense in the country with, quite honestly, the third of the depth that we have now, you know, just all around on, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. So I think this is definitely a team that could be number two in the country. My biggest concern, though, is still – Honestly, is the offensive line just, you know, the lack of depth there is a little bit concerning. You know, we still don't really have a true left tackle. Yeah, you know, exactly. Gerald Mincy will probably, you know, get some playing time. But that's still a very big concern. But, I mean, as fast as this offense is and, you know, as quick as we play, it, it might not even be that much of a factor. It really wasn't even last year. So, and when you – considering the fact, you know, sure we lost Bayless Jones, but you got Jalen Hyatt, who everyone has said has been the best player on offense through spring practice and fall camp so far. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you got new guys coming in like Squirrel White and Brew McCoy, who add that speed and then just the talent in general to be able to, you know, stand out on top of Cedric Tillman. I mean, it, there's no reason not to think that this offense can't be the best in the SEC. I don't think yeah. it'll be good as Ohio State's because Ohio State's offense is stupid. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be far stupid. As count goes, it's I mean, I think if there's going to be any team that honestly that could beat Alabama in a national championship this year, it's most definitely Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. So if I, Ohio State doesn't win it this year, it's there. Yeah, down here. Yeah, and I, and I hate to say that because I fucking hate Ohio State with that. Me too, but respectfully. But yeah, I don't see why not. This team can't be number two. You know, number two offensively in the rankings, and if you get more of that playbook and different schemes as well, I mean. We ran the same five plays, it seems like, all of last year, and we still averaged 45 points a game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think easily, well, worst-case scenario would be a number four, the fourth or fifth best offense in the country. Buddy, you're muted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying, like, the, the, the scripted plays we'd start games out with, you know, going back-to-back like that, that's definitely something, you know, I definitely – with opening the playbook, I definitely see it as a possibility to go out there and score more points. Obviously, on paper, you did lose a few people, build the gaps. And then, like you said, with the, the true freshman coming in, Dylan Sampson, Squirrel White, Caleb Webb, uh, Chaz and Imrod, all, you know, respectfully kind of filling in. And they can give you, like, a couple plays. You have more guys step up, like, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Walker Merrill, Ramel Keaton, Brew McCoy. That's going to be, you know, tremendous. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, offensive line part. We left that part out of the, the you know, the fall camp scrimmage. No, there's still no true uh, offensive line starter. Hypo in his press conference was kind of like, even though if we do have a starter, whoever does come out as a starter, like we're going to need both of these guys because the bodies on the offensive line is kind of short right now. Um, obviously getting the Gerald Mincy transfer in last year, Jeremiah Crawford uh, from two years ago, Hypo was year one, but la- he came in playing off a full Juco year. So this is like his first real training camp with Tennessee. So giving credit and seeing that come out from Juco, obviously Hypo liked him a lot to take him early there. It's going to be interesting to see which one kind of gets the starting nod and solidifies that uh, group. But, you know, I'm worried, you know, just offensively, just penalties. I think offensive line, a lot of last year, false starts. I know it comes with the tempo part of everything, but that's obviously just going to be coming with it. But all in all, those big chunk plays that we get, it's going to help us score quick. And I don't see – a reason why we shouldn't be at least a top five 
And I could easily see a number two if we go like nine and three, 10 and two and win out the games we're supposed to. When I look at the team, like number three, like it's kind of sad to see, like they had Wake Forest number three on here. Uh, obviously the news today, they lost their quarterback. And then all in all, they had uh, number four, Alabama, who lost one of their star receivers, JoJo, early today due to injury. And then also uh, the rivals, our rivals, Florida, losing uh, their transfer receiver from Arizona State to injury for a certain amount of time. Not really sure if it's going to be long term or what. But, Drew, you had some more notes on those guys. Yeah, so as far as Alabama goes, you know, they lost JoJo early for about six to eight weeks with a foot fracture. Um, you know, he this is the second year in a row where he's had a lower body injury. He actually had a leg injury to start off during fall camp and wound up missing three games too. But, you know, I mean, he, you know, played, I think he played 10 games last year, you know, had a couple hundred yards as far as, you know, receiving yards go, but he was competing for a slot starting role this year, considering that Alabama lost all three of their wide receiver starters to the draft and yeah. for graduation as well. So it's a tough break for them, but I mean, it's Alabama, man. I mean, like, you know, I mean, they, they, they just reload. So, I mean, he'll probably go back out there. I mean, I would, with our luck, he's going to come back for the Tennessee game and fucking ball out against us. But, you know, he'll be at least back out for a little bit. And, you know, it may help us and may not, all depending. But the Florida loss, though, Florida losing uh, Ricky Pierce. How do you say his last name? Pearsley? Parsley? Parsley, probably, yeah. Ricky Parsley from Arizona State. That That is probably – the worst thing that could possibly happen to them. And the reasons for that is because, you know, they've already lost Jacob Copeland and mm. Kimor Gamble in the offseason this year. And Pearsley was the guy that was kind of like, you know, that was supposed to fill in that gap of losing those two stars because he was, you know, a starter at Arizona State as well. But with him being out indefinite and the fact that the Florida media is actually being pretty hush about it mm. makes me think this is like a pretty serious injury. Because if it was something like a fractured foot where it was only a few weeks, they would have already announced that by now. This makes me think that this could potentially be something that's a lot, at least <laughs> miss over half the season. But when you look at their wide receiver room right, right now, I mean, I'm just going to read you off the three top guys that they have. And you're yeah, like, that's pretty bad, bro. It, it, you know, like, lot, yeah. it is, it's terrible. The first one was Justin Shorter. Okay. For those who don't know about Justin Shorter, he was transferred from Penn State after the 2020 season. You know, it was a four-star recruit, decent recruit coming out of high school, but never really got his opportunity at Penn State. Came to Florida. Last year, he only caught, you know, he caught basically out of the returning wide receivers now, led the team with 41 catches, 550 yards, and three touchdowns, which is for a backup, you know, for your number two guy or, or you know, your number three, that's decent. That's pretty good. But then it gets even worse after that. Then you mm -hmm. get Xavier Henderson, who's only had 22 catches, 227 yards and two touchdowns last year. That's their number two now. That's their wide receiver two. And then their wide receiver number three, Trent Whittlemore, had 19 catches for 210 yards and one touchdown. And here's the here's the mind-blowing stat, though. Florida has 18 wide receivers listed on their roster. Not a single one played more than six games last year. Guys. Six. And this, this is their wide receiver room. I mean – you know, and you'll you will give me any day of the week about the Florida rant. I already know this. I mean, it's just it's tradition right. now to like have me mention about the Florida game. But even I, even I, after reading this, it's like, surely God, like we can't. <laughs> you know, we don't lose to this team. I mean, because this is, I mean, this is like 2010 Derek, like Derek Dooley, Tennessee bad as far as wide receiver depth goes. I mean, this is this might be the worst wide receiver room I've ever seen for any Power Five team. I mean, even including Vanderbilt. And so their situation is a whole lot worse than us. And then you got on yeah. top of that Anthony Richardson coming in as their quarterback, which I know he's already unproven, had time, but he's unproven. You know, he might, he might be a baller. I mean, he was a highly talented recruit, but yeah. man, it is, you know, extremely unfortunate to see Florida just crumbling and, you know, potentially being the same spot that we've been in for the last 15 years. So, Really unfortunate. Really hate it for them. You know, really, really do. But uh, it cannot be any better timing for us, though. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Facts. I mean, I've been preaching, you know, on the show the last couple of weeks, you know, every time we get to this Florida topic being a sensitive topic for the show. 
about how their depth this year is like how we've been like the last five to 10 years of never being able to reload after having to, you know, rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. Well, now, you know, you look at their skill positions and you think of Florida and you think of the Gators and you think of like their running backs, you know, an athletic quarterback, right? Wide receivers, you know, their tight ends, you know, you look at that roster now, that depth there now, and you just mentioned, even with the, you know, the uh, Arizona state transfer, I wasn't really too worried about their wide receiver room just going into that. But when you read off that none of them even played, you know, not even a full season, but not even half the season, six games, at most two or three touchdowns, guys that are unproven coming into an away territory game. Yeah, they get started early, tough against Utah, Kentucky, and I think one more opponent. I forgot the other one off the top of my head. But when you come into Neyland Stadium, like our defense, and you're talking about our DBs, you know, I'm not worried about wide receivers. I'm worried about like their running game. And I just, you know, that's kind of been mainly quiet, but I imagine it'll be like a lot of read option of them trying to beat us on their feet. AR-15, trying to see if they can explode that that run advantage with the quarterback on our defense. But I fully think that Tennessee, like their first and second defense of being able to reload and, you know, substitute out this year compared to last year, there's no reason come to when they, uh, Florida comes to Neyland that we shouldn't be able to go out there and exhaust them, put up points I mean, in their head. I mean, I agree. I agree. But, you know. We should go out here and, like, be up, like, 28-7 first quarter. I, but I'm not. I'm not going to say that. That's just ridiculous. Uh, we had. We had. Okay. That's a, not a crazy statement though, because you have to understand. Not, like our last year, we had the biggest first point differential in the nation. We were out here blowing out teams. Like stupid. We were up twenty-eight-seven on Purdue. Okay. All right. But even then, though, we only still scored like seven against them in the first. Shane quarter. Beamer came into right. Knoxville. We put up thirty-five in the first. Okay. Quarter or something. All right. Well, South Carolina, first of all, is much worse than Florida. Okay. They beat Florida last year. Dan Mullen. It doesn't matter. Florida still beat us, and they nearly beat Alabama. I mean, those first four weeks, Florida was one of the best teams in the country. You can even argue that. No, that's not. That's not cap. That's, no, that no that that whatever you can that, say. That's a factual that statement. Cap. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a fact. For the first four weeks, Florida was arguably a top five team. They really were. I mean, you you can't even cap argue that. that means fake. So that's not cap. Like you're you're right when you say that is what I meant. Drew, okay, all right. education. How about, how about you just say you're right? All right, like we need to quit. I don't know what this lingo even means. All right, yeah, I'm sorry. But, I don't think a lot of all nation know what this lingo <laughs> means either. But no, I mean, Definitely. the only thing that kind of feel like that gets me a little bit nervous about Florida. I mean, I still, I'm still gonna, you know, pencil as a loss. It wouldn't be Drew without, you know, being I'm still gonna pencil as a loss, of course, of course. But the one thing that really does concern me though is, you know, even though Anthony Richardson's unproven, the guy's still a hell of an athlete, and he's quick. My biggest fear is him being able to escape the pocket and then just be able to create plays. Because we That's seem true. to have this luck where guys from Florida that have, like you never even heard of, that never done anything, have managed to be able just to have like a career performance against mm-hmm. us. Whether it feels like Emory Jones or Jeff Driscoll or like you know any of these guys, so. Oh, brother, he's he's a hundred percent rushing for more than a hundred yards on us. There's you have to understand like. When I think that we're going to beat these teams, I don't think we're just going to go out here and blow them out. Like I understand where our defense is at compared to what our offense makes our defense have to play at, you know, with how fast we go and the tempo of being out there drive after drive, like not even 30, 40 seconds later sometimes. Like they're going to score points. They're going to get down the field on us, even if it makes us look awful. No, and- they are, though. But the biggest problem, though, is, is that we couldn't score for shit in the second quarter. In fact... I think we actually almost gave up, and like even even the exception of a couple games like Tennessee Tech and South Alabama and South that, Carolina, that was with a lot of games though. But in all those that losses, though, we would jump problem. off to a really early lead, lead by two or three touchdowns, and then we would manage to blow it though within mm-hmm. by the end of the first half. And that's that is where my like my fear is is that we jump off to a 21, 24 to three lead in the first quarter, and then we have like two, three and outs. And then all of a sudden, Florida's back in this game and it's tied at halftime. And then they have all the momentum on their side. Billy Napier and Cookville, Cookville, Tennessee native Billy Napier is not coming in down 24-3 first year of Florida with all that lack of offensive talent. There's no shot. Dude, we lost to fucking Will Muschamp. We couldn't beat Will Muschamp. And he was a way worse coach than Billy Napier. At least Billy Napier did something at – you know, I just I just feel like dangerous. early on like that, if he like say he does like get lucky and gets hot early, like say like they Utah comes to Florida and gets you know swamped and Florida wins and they start off hot three and zero and both teams are undefeated when they come to Neyland, 
if we go up 24-3 on them, like, I just feel like that's kind of like a but a gunshot. It, like, Well, no, yes, but no. Because we've seen in years past in big games where we've gotten off to a really early lead and dominated for the first half or the first, you know, 30 minutes of the first 45 minutes of the game and blew at the end. I mean, the Oklahoma game was a perfect example of that. So, you know, I mean. Not Josh Heupel. But I mean, Josh Heupel, I mean, well, he wasn't even on the Tennessee, I guess. Yeah. But, and I, but I mean, like, you know, with even the Ole Miss game, though, I mean, we struggled offensively in the second quarter. That's my biggest thing. And same with Pittsburgh as well. Pittsburgh, we should have won that game. We struggled tremendously in the second quarter and even past, you know, Joe Milton's overthrows. We still struggled offensively. Yeah. And that's where, that's where Heupel and his staff needs to like capitalize more than anything else. That will differentiate this team from being an eight and four to a ten and two team. Oh, I yeah. truly believe that. Yeah, I mean, obviously the offensive penalties, uh, you know, red zones, third down offense, third down defense. There's a lot of things that cost us not being uh, being able to stay on the field, not being able to get off the field. You know, probably like seven or ten plays that made or break. You know, going seven and five to going nine and three. I mean, we saw what happened from the pit game, the old Miss game. Um, you know, so on and so on. Obviously, there's games on the table. Uh, Tennessee this year, I think you definitely have to go into Pitt and beat Pitt. Um, already like saw them multiple times at UCF. Saw them last year, have more talent. This year, they lost all theirs. I think that's definitely a game you have to go in there and do it. But obviously, like you said, it starts with you know being able to clean things up on offense and you know going out there and putting up consistent points because you know defense. Yeah, we added to that DD room, but that doesn't change that you know quarterback if they're mobile enough even if they're not mobile we saw statues out there running on us last year so i mean obviously just have to see how you know how tim banks and the defense is kind of gonna game plan for that there's got to be a fix i definitely think there has to be a fix for them to talk about it all offseason there's no way they're gonna stroll in their year two and talk about you know wanting to win games and the stats don't matter and stuff like that without wanting to clean stuff like that up but they know what's what happened last year so i definitely expect all in all uh just you know Gonna be cleaned up. No, I mean, I definitely expect improvements for sure. And I still, you know, I still have faith with Tim Banks and this, you know, on the defensive oh, yeah. staff as well. But here's the thing, dude. If we still see the same issues where we can't get off the field, you know, after third down or yeah. stupid penalties and stuff like that, you know, I mean, there's gonna have to be some questions that have to be answered with this defensive staff. And I mean, you know, and I'm not advocating for anyone to be fired right now by any stretch. Oh, yeah, no shot. But if there's no improvement in those two things, especially because that was our freaking, you know, kryptonite was third down and, you know, you know, self-imposing penalties. So whether if it was, you know, you know, pass interference or face mask and stuff like that, we can't address those. They don't actually improve in those. And I know they talked about all season. Yeah, we got changes. Simple as that. But I still got trust and faith in Tim Banks, you know, and Rodney Gardner and the entire defense staff that they'll be able to address it. But Man, I mean, we got to – I mean, Florida, Florida's got me stressed out already. I'm not even stressed out about Pitt now. I'm just stressed out about this Florida game more than anything else. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I know you are. And I know, like, we're talking about this all right now. I'm getting fired up about this now. But next week, live show, Skybox Bar and Girl, the full crew. You know, you and Lo have met in person. Obviously, me and Alex going to be around. I know we're doing the uh, the full season prediction kind of thing. I know we're going to you know, get the first three games out of the way, and then it's going to get to Florida. It's going to be a sensitive topic on Brando's 22nd birthday in the Skybox Bar, and Drew's probably going to get all Farragut Furious, Redneck, angry, pissed off. Facts. But, you know, obviously just once again, like really hyped for that. Um, I'm pretty sure we're doing like that whole like best dressed thing. If you come best dressed in Vols attire to Skybox Bar and Grill for the show, you can win like a $70 gift card. Or, hold on, let me see. Yeah, $70 ticket to Dine in the Dark event at Skybox, which is super lit. Obviously, the environment at Skybox, one of a kind. Um, pleasure to be able to be allowed to go out there and do our full show there. So, obviously, really excited for that. Um, meeting, yeah, meeting Juice Davis and Troy Fleming for the first time. That's going to be pretty cool, too. Two VFLs. Two foreign balls, you know, played under former, you know, during a really good time. during oh, yeah. The Gator Killer himself. Drew, you can't you can't freeze about Florida in front of the Gator Killing. Oh, oh, oh! I'll do it. I'll do it. You'll do it. It's going to happen. It, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't care if people are going to boo me. Quite frankly, I want the booze. I want you, you want the booze in your hometown. I want, not, I want in a hometown the, bar. No shots. 
don't care. Don't care. Because I'm being a realist here, okay? Even no even way. though everything on paper tells me otherwise, I'm still going with my gut feeling on this game. So, but it's going to be an incredible atmosphere at Skybox. Perfect place to start your Friday night. You know, great drinks, great food, good wings, good nachos. 7 to 8.30. It's going to be a good time. Even a little bit of karaoke afterwards. If you get me and Brando a little too lit, oh we my might have, God. To, have to do it. Might have to do karaoke. So, but yeah, I mean, you're going to be able to meet Juice Davis, Troy Fleming, two, you know, very respectable, great players. Some other balls calling in. It depends what we have going on. It depends. But obviously, Skybox Bar and Grill, Friday 19th, uh, August 19th, 7 to 8.30 Eastern Time. Uh, the address, 415 South Gay Street, Knoxville, Tennessee. Obviously, Juice Davis, Troy Fleming. Uh, if you catch me on the karaoke, me and Drew singing Rocky Top, that I just I just don't want to see the video after. That's going to be awful. The fact that, you know, my mom's going to have to drive me home and I have to work the next day, that's going to be awful as well. But we're going to live for the brain and die for the brain, and I'm, I'm super excited for that. So, No, absolutely. It's going to be a phenomenal time. Definitely, if you're in town or you're planning on being in town, make sure to stop by and join us. It's going to be a hell of a time for sure. Brando, Yo. we talked about the current Vols and the situation. Let's talk about maybe some p- potential future Vols that may be joining this class. What do you got? Oh, my God. I, Drew, how did I forget about that? Oh, my God. Shocking behavior. Okay, this is the craziest. Okay, so this week's recruiting, uh, obviously, last few weeks, everyone's like, oh, my God, what's going on with Tennessee recruiting? There's a standstill. Uh, we got Nathan Leacock and everything kind of just chilled out. What's going on? We lost out on um, Stan Ramil. We lost out on Lucas Simmons, Francis, so on and so on. Uh, obviously Tennessee, they've continued to go down their board, kind of go into the DB position. They obviously have Sylvester Smith, Jack Luttrell, John Slaughter, and some others committed right now. Sounds like, uh, obviously Tennessee was in on corners, four-star corners, Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews. Ricky Gibson, obviously down to uh, Tennessee and Georgia was crystal ball to Georgia for the longest by uh, Steve Wolfong, Chad Simmons, and others was originally set to announce August 5th but actually had to postpone his commitment date to the uh, the 14th of this week, coming up this week, because his parents had a wedding. So out of respect for his parents, he wanted to go to the wedding, postpone his commitment. Well, in the last week from being a Georgia lock, this guy, Georgia wants this kid so bad. Like they would say, they've been saying like, if it comes down to it, we're going to let someone else go to take this kid's commitment. He has a full spot in our class, uh, four star on, on three, blowing up on the trail, offer list shows it. Absolutely wants to take him on the last week of his family, you know, having this wedding and his mom and dad or his stepfather getting married. He's uh, flipped his, his uh, prediction from Steve Wolfong has been flipped to Tennessee. Sounds like Tennessee's going super hard for him. Obviously, Georgia fans in shambles on the message boards. I saw a couple saying this is what happens when you get NIL involved. I'm here to tell you from my sources, there's no NIL involved. This is just Willie Martinez being a GOAT like coming out here recruiting late, not, you know, putting the phone down, calling every day. Coach Martinez has a great relationship with this kid. Obviously, one of Tennessee's – Tennessee was one of his first offers. Georgia only offering three weeks to go, being his dream school. He got there on a late visit. Sounds like that Tennessee love and lean is kind of coming back there. And then you got Jordan Matthews, a four-star corner from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, set to announce on the 15th, four-star out of uh, going – was going to go to uh, Texas, Crystal Ball to Texas currently. Sounds like Tennessee's getting heavily involved there. He dropped the top three. Baton Rouge native, Drew. He left uh, LSU out of his top three, put Michigan in there, a team that's not even really been heavily involved at all. It's kind of a shocker to most people. Uh, sounds like it's kind of going to a Texas-Tennessee thing. All the Crystal Balls right now point to Texas, but I'm hearing right now like Tennessee's heavily involved more than people think. I would not be surprised to kind of see those things start to flip if Tennessee keeps putting the pressure there. If Tennessee can go in there and get the pressure going, two four-star corners to add to this 2023 class with the defense, you know, that would just solidify that DB room going forward. Um, Also some guys committed elsewhere Tennessee's heavily involved with. Four-star running back Roderick Robertson committed to UCLA. Tennessee's talking there. Uh, Four-star offensive lineman Lucas Simmons that committed to uh, Florida State. Tennessee is still heavily involved there. And then also three-star offensive tackle, Bison Lang. Tennessee's talking there as well. So Tennessee, you know, not pumping the brakes going into the season. Obviously, they have a full season of expectations going ahead. The hype train's still rolling off-field, though. 
uh, recruiting heavily. A lot of names to look forward to. And if Tennessee can land those two four stars going into the season, I think, you know, go into the field, win some games, beat Florida, beat Pitt, win games that, you know, are toss-ups. Obviously, you don't have to beat Georgia and Alabama year two. That, that would be crazy if you do. But if you go out there and, like, you beat Florida and beat Pitt like you're supposed to this year, you know, go eight and four, nine and three. I think that makes this class, you know, go from, you know, stand still and getting four stars on the regular where people are kind of upset right now to accelerate to how you see a top program like Alabama, Oregon, A&M, they go on those hot streaks week after week after week. So a lot of recruiting going on and uh, the staff's not, they're not stopping. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think the Ricky, you know, Ricky Gibson would be a massive, I mean, huge commit if we could be able to pull this off. Everything sounds like from what you've said, as long as, you know, as well from on three and two, four, seven, that, you know, it's promising for sure. Anytime mm-hmm. you're able to get, you know, not just, not just a commitment over Georgia, a recruit over Georgia, but one of their top targets, when you're doing that, especially the, against the defending national champs, I think that speaks volumes to not only Willie Martinez, but Heifel and this entire staff in the state of program as well, because they're obviously seeing Tennessee at a different outlook mm-hmm. than say recruits were hell. I mean, two years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, honestly, so, and the Jordan Matthews one, you know, it kind of, you know, it kind of like makes me laugh a little bit considering, you know, from him being from Baton Rouge is that, you know, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go to LSU because he basically said that this was the furthest he could take Notre Dame. You can't recruit there. You can't win, you know, all this stuff. And ironically, it seems like every in-state recruit, top in-state recruit in Louisiana is leaving Louisiana to go elsewhere, whether if it's Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, or Texas, or even Ole Miss. And so I just – I love seeing it. I mean, because I hate Notre Dame too, so, and I hate Brian Kelly, so it's just great seeing him implode on his own in-state talent. It like Thanks. LSU is such an easy job to recruit that it's like almost astonishing that they're struggling as much as they are. Um. I think Texas will be hard, you know, to fight off against Jordan Matthews. Uh, but, man, if we get Ricky Gibson, though, if he commits on the 14th with us, which it sounds like he will, mm. it might change his outlook on that, you know. And that would he, that would help tremendously considering, you know, besides Ricky Gibson, I mean, you know, Christian Conyers is the only true defensive back, cornerback that we have that's committed. I mean, you got Jack Luttrell yeah. and a couple other guys that are safeties. But as far as true DBs, I mean, him and, you know, I mean, that would add a lot of depth into our, you know, recruiting class for sure. So, I mean, you know, it's like I said, we thought it was dead in the water about a month ago, especially after the Francis news. But uh, here we are. It's promising. And I think another one, another name that a lot of people need to watch out for is to Marion Parker. He just decommitted from Penn State the other day. Former target that Tennessee had. Mm-hmm. And we always need depth on the edge. It would not surprise me if we try to go after him again since his recruiting is open, you know, and he was only committed to Penn State for less than two months. So it wouldn't surprise me if we saw anything right there. But, yeah, I mean, with the Ricky Gibson commit, you're looking at a top 10 recruiting class again, right number 11 in the country and easily, you know, a top four SEC. So we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess with the Samari and Parker news, I guess uh, I'm hearing a lot of like Florida and uh, Georgia buzz there. Obviously, Tennessee recruited him really, really hard. He had, like, crystal ball coming out of that one visit here. Uh, that big, I think, Memorial Day weekend he was involved in. So, obviously, was here, got like liked what he saw. Um, seems like after every visit he went on, he kind of liked that school. But I think all in all, if it goes, like, deeper into the cycle, and maybe, like, December or May, obviously don't count Rodney Garner out in the, in the end. Obviously, you know, he is at the finish line. I just, you know, kind of think that Tennessee's kind of, you know, moved on with their board. And once they lose somebody, they're kind of going on unless – it's here recently where they've kind of dipped back on some people right there, but obviously I'm not, I'm not calling the uh, Ricky Gibson one a home run yet. Obviously got to get to the finish line, get him committed and then all in all get him signed, but getting him committed would be huge for the the class. I still think that Georgia's on him hard. They're going to be calling him every single day. It's going to be a, a battle of the phones of, you know, trying to get him locked in, but all, all the Tennessee buzz coming out after the past few weeks, I'm thinking he was a Georgia lock seeing Steve Wolfong uh, flip his crystal ball along with Chad Simmons that was huge. And um, two huge cornerbacks, like you said, four stars. Uh, I think LSU kind of messed up because you can't like going back on the Brian Kelly thing. If you're not going to, you know, take a Baton Rouge native and you're like, I think what I've been hearing is that they told him that they don't have a spot for him yet or whatever it is now, like, you know, taking another kid from somewhere else, all in all, like no matter how you look at it for Brian Kelly, 
that's kind of bad, not taking in-state recruits like that. Uh, last year, chose not to take Dylan Sampson when he first arrived. Like Dylan Sampson wanted to go to LSU, failed to offer him. We got a steal there. Uh, if you can get a steal in Jordan Matthews and, you know, get him bought in, and then they try to come back and steal him later, but he stays, you know, low in the process, that would be a huge win there. And then obviously you got to look at the uh, on-the-field meetup there this season after the Florida game, going to Baton Rouge, playing Brian Kelly in year one. That's going to be a huge game where they lost death at a lot of pieces but still have a lot, a lot of talent. But I just don't think that down there, you know, saying no with in the recruiting process that early to Baton Rouge natives and then going into a year one, like if you have a disaster, that would be like a fall-in-the-face moment for Brian Kelly in year one, and that would just be an awful start in LSU after all the – the Ed O stuff. So I think honestly, if you're going to start seeing that fan base get, you know, start turning on him, if this team right. finishes five, which I think quite honestly is a very high possibility that LSU oh, yeah. five this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of honestly think, I think, you know, even, even Ole Miss will have a better record than LSU this year. So, which is a hot take, but they got no debt, yeah. man. Ole Miss like, is so overrated, man. I mean, they got no debt, and quite honestly, I trust Kiffin's been in the SEC far longer than Brian Kelly has, and he's able to do more with less. And you know, we can't say the we can't say that with Brian Kelly. So I don't know, man. I just think Ole Miss is bound to fall on their face as well this year. But that's that's another topic for another show. I mean, I could go on and on about fucking Lane Kiffin. Like he could go on about fucking Jeremy Pruitt. I I just don't like the guy. So I mean, I mean, I, I low key kind of like you know, I kind of like. Kiffin, you know, I mean, he he went. I mean, he wins. You threw a golf ball at him. I did not. I first, I I threw a Dosaki's beer can. Yeah, <laughs> but I did not throw a golf ball at him. That was not me. So that is fake news. Was not the golf ball. Was not the mustard bottle. That was not me. Is it Dosaki's? If I was able to throw that from Rose. You heard it here, fucking first. Mm. Then I should be the next quarterback for the University of Tennessee. So, I mean, but. yeah. <laughs> at UT campus Knox for this guy right here. He he admitted to it live. All in all, seven plus two for a Friday, nine days away, August 10th to the 19th, live show, Skybox Bar and really, Grill. Really have to do that, like do that math. What? Probably. Yeah, yeah. I had, to, I had to think about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm used to being on a Wednesday, but we're not doing a show on Wednesday. We're doing it on Friday, so I had to add the two. You should have done that mentally. I mean, you should have. You didn't have to do that loud. I mean, I'm glad you got the number right, but. I did it for the people. You Skybox Bar and Grill, live yeah. show, full crew, Alex flying in from Miami, me coming from Nashville, you and Lo driving on the interstate. Going to be I'll, fun. I'll actually I'll actually be walking. So Walking? Right. You live yeah. that close? Yeah. No way. Drew's getting blacked out confirmed. <laughs> got to oh. be there. Skybox Barn Grill, South Gay Street, uh, 7 to 8.30. Uh, obviously, come in for the competitions. We're going to be doing the uh, all the bets on the live season, the full to full season, the punishments, um, obviously the $70 costume contest if you want to compete in that, and then everything else. Come out and meet us, have fun, meet two fall for lives. Uh, Drew, any closing statements as we close this one off? Um. Yeah. Get a little bit of quick rundown with uh with basketball. There's actually been. Oh my god! I, I am selling the brand. You are. You are. You're struggling today, buddy. You're well, struggling. here I am. I thought we're having a quick show. Drew wants to go one hour. Let's fucking do it. I, I mean, we might as well. We might as well. We're already at the 44 minute mark. So, okay. but yeah, a couple basketball news. A little Tennessee basketball information. Uh, non-conference. <laughs> non-conference schedule came out released yesterday. Vols are opening up the season against Tennessee Tech at Thompson Bowling Arena on in November sixth, uh, or sorry, November fifth. Uh, got a couple, a lot of really good games, you know, with this out conference schedule. You know, a couple neutral sites against Colorado and Nashville, which I think right. surprised going to be a pretty good game. Brando, if you're not there, I'll be extremely. Oh, I'm going there because fucking Penny Hardaway, you. I'm not going to say that on a, on a live broadcast show. Penny Hardaway, you you sold me out of a Vols basketball first time experience, and I promise you, I will be there live in person for that Colorado game. I don't care if we're playing the Buffs, whatever they are, the Bull. I don't even know. I get Colorado and Colorado State mixed up. I don't I don't know, but I'm going to be there loud and proud. We I'm not going to lie, it's a kind of a really weird game to have in Nashville. 
like doesn't really make a lot of sense but yeah I think it's giving back to the Nashville people for what that man did to us. So. Well, I mean, I, I understand that, but they could have gotten a better opponent than Colorado. I mean, but yeah, Colorado Didn't we just beat them a year or two ago. Pause. Yeah, we beat them last season by like last 15, year. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Early on, okay. That's when but, Kennedy Chandler had his first twenty-point game, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. okay. But neutral site against Colorado should be, you know, probably our first big challenge early in the season. I believe it's only second game of the season that we face them again, so it'd be a good, you know, good little start. For, mm-hmm. for the team. Battle for Atlanta started, you know, start off playing against Butler, which, you know, it's not the same Butler that you and I both know 10 years ago under Brad Stevens, yeah, but still, still a respectable program. And then we'll either play the winner of BYU or USC. Both teams are, you know, great programs. BYU's up around the corner. USC always has, always has some weird – it's weird. USC always has decent basketball talent but never does anything with it. So Yeah, it's weird. Very, very awesome. Potentially could play Kansas, NC State, Wisconsin, or Dayton. All four of those teams are very good. I think we'll be wind up being in the tournament as well. I would love for us to play Kansas, get a little, you know, yeah. rub it in even more than we did a couple of years FBI ago. FBI in Oh, yeah. Rub it yeah. in on get a little revenge for Admiral and Grant from a few years ago at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Maryland at Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Pretty sick one. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of digging. yeah. The Terps play more games in New York City. I actually like that a lot. Very, very smart of Rick Barnes as far as a recruiting tactic goes. Um, and another big one I think is easily the – I would honestly argue this is probably going to be our toughest road game of the year is at Arizona, which yeah. I think is exciting. I mean, that's going to be a top 15, top 10 opponent. Arizona is always a very respectable basketball program, one of the top 10 best in the country for sure. And then a huge one – against the fake UT in January <laughs> against Chris Beard or whatever that stupid is, whatever yeah. Rick Barnes going on a revenge tour is going to get them back. So I would love for them to bring back Chris Lofton for that game, considering his marquee legendary moment he had over KD against Texas <laughs> holding, you know, 15 years nice. But Overall, man, you know, I think this is going to be a really, really fun basketball season. Um, you know, I, I know we're all focused on football. I am too. But, you know, basketball is just around the corner as well, surprisingly. And bracketology even yeah. has a two seed. Granted, we haven't played a single game yet. However, when you think about it with the talent that we have, anything below a two seed, in my opinion, would be – Disrespectful is – yeah. Well, not disrespectful. It would be a disappointment. So – I yeah, think, when you have you have the team leader Euros, the the Slovakian god coming back, double double king himself. Go. Like I mean, I, that's probably the the most. That's my biggest contributor going into next season. Obviously, and then I guess you, like you might see Julian Phillips and you know BJ Edwards involved, but not like Euros. There's just no shot. I, I mean, the Mister Serbian King himself, absolutely. I mean, he has the, bodies back in Serbia. Yeah, that guy. That guy. He's back. You know, he's in his full form now, senior year. He's going to give his all. Don't be surprised in the slightest if that man's average is a double-double this year. Easily. No, yeah. Easily. Obviously, obviously, yeah, you lost – Um, wait, only lost Kenny Chandler. Got Vescovi kind of still playing around there, still thinking he's going to come back. Uh, Triple J coming back. So, obviously, the holes, you know, there's no really holes on the team. Got Julian Phillips, you know, who can score from pretty much anywhere. Is going to be that guy next year, like our leader, probably like the guy that has the ball in his hands whenever it comes down to it. Then you got BJ Edwards, the uh, the Catholic faithful that everyone's raving about in the Knoxville area, obviously going for the local kid, uh, was a top 15 point guard in the nation. Going to see if he can live up in the Kennedy Chandler shoes and kind of fill that void. Vescovi, him, and Zakai running the point. Uh, even against the competition we're going to be playing, man, I, I think there's no reason that, you know, going into the postseason that Tennessee probably isn't. There's no reason they shouldn't be a two or a three or a four seed. Like, shouldn't I mean, stay around in that little in that range. I, I genuinely believe. Like, I really think this is probably. I mean, I feel like we're saying this every year because Rick yeah. Barnes such a phenomenal job. But like, as far as the experience goes and talent wise, this is one of the top two, top three teams that he's ever had as far as talent mm-hmm. goes. And, you know, and I think a, one name a lot of people are forgetting about is Tyree Key, the transfer from Indiana State. Because I just did. I I know you did. I know you did. That's why I said it. So I think this is a guy. Honestly, uh, okay. 
This is a guy that could honestly wind up starting at point guard game one of the season. I really do believe it. Yeah. That leadership role, you know, he averaged over 16 points a game at Indiana State the last full season that he played, which was pre-COVID. Uh, you know, I mean, and he's just absolute unit on defense. And you could you could honestly wind up seeing something where you have Tyreek at one with the Scobie, you know, with Kai playing yeah. at two, Scobie at three, and then Triple J and maybe Julian Phillips or the Mr. King himself, Yerush Plavsic at five. So this team is just loaded from top to bottom with talent. You know, the one of the biggest things I like feared after Folky and a couple other guys leaving was if we're going to have any talent over there at the center position. Oh, but Jonas, I do is the leader of the all faithful. You have Jonas, you have, I mean, and you know, people want to, I mean, people will joke about this, but dude, Plastic was good for us. Oh and yeah. Defensively, he's one of our better players, but you also have Kamwa and Julian Phillips. I mean, you got four guys there that. But what about honestly, Tom? I think Tom left, did he not? Yeah, 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 yeah he's got that's what I mean. I was like, my poor Tom, but, but no, nah, like like you say, man, like you're mentioning those names and you don't even think about the guys like Tomba that left or, you know, might I mention Brandon Henley Hatfield that just left too. Like you look at that position down low of being down bad in the post last year, early last year, and kind of wondering where it's going to go. Jonas Idu, uh, Euros, uh, Conwell coming back from the injury. Like, I think we're going to be solid down there. The guard play is going to be, you know, great. And then you mentioned Tyreek Key joining the team. Uh, obviously, they get Yuri Collins. But that guard position full, filled so much talent there, obviously, with the freshmen, Zakai, the Scovey, and then now Tyreek Key, which is probably, like, the most Rick Barnes player that could be playing defense and then also the mm-hmm. assist leader on offense and also being able to score from deep two, shoot the three, buy into that. So I think going in, that's going to be really well for the team, obviously. Uh Going back to the schedule, most excited about the Nashville game. Obviously, want to play Kansas. I always love that kind of matchup. Know we're going to beat Kentucky twice because we own the Coal Miners. Nice. And then when it comes down to it, Arizona and uh, Texas, obviously want to get revenge back on those teams and beat those teams. I mean, we smoked Arizona in TBA last year. Like, dismantled that team. We were down horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Dismantled no. that team. So We, we did. But I'm Arizona- really worried about the fake UT. I just want to go beat those burnt orange, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Texas is the biggest off-season or out-conference, you know, game that we have this season by a mile. Just because of the way, just how awful the game was last year and then how close we were from, like, actually making a comeback and winning that one as well. But, I, you know, Arizona's going to be really tough, but I, I, love to see ten- I love seeing Tennessee playing these type of teams, though, on the road. It's good to get good quality you know, power five, top 25 teams, playing them on the road. Great for the resume. Great for preparation for the NCAA tournament. You know, and this is, I mean, I think this is all what we really want to dream of. Playing the Arizonas, the Dukes, North Carolinas, the Kansases, you know, and play them consistently. So it's going to be exciting year of basketball. Uh, you know, hopefully they could turn the corner with recruiting. I know that J.P. Estrella, the four-star center, has his commitment day on September 2nd. It's a tough road, you know. Tough battle between Tennessee, Syracuse, and Iowa. But everything that I've heard and seen, he really enjoyed his visit over here. I know he's just got back yeah, from I did Syracuse. That, I would be surprised if he doesn't choose Tennessee. However, if we don't wind up getting him because we lost out on Kalen Core to Michigan State the other day, I think you could argue we could start hitting the panic button a little bit on the recruiting trail for basketball. But Oh, yeah. You know, we're still a good ways from there. I mean, you know, this is probably going to be his most – I mean – at least for Tennessee basketball, this is the most important recruiting year for Tennessee because you are losing a lot of talent after this year with, you know, Triple J, Vascovi, Aplopsic, Kamwa. I mean, you got about four, five, six, potentially even seven scholarships right there. Yeah, it's and pretty it's crazy, man. It's insane. And obviously you're going to fill a couple of those guys in the portal, but, like, they got to – I mean, they got to start off strong. I mean, we already messed up Justin Edwards, which was – Probably the hardest, I mean, that Rick Barnes has ever recruited, uh, recruit. I mean, literally every single weekend going up there in fucking Baltimore, trying to yeah. convince the kid, and Sleazy Calipari and his, you know, mob hair managed to pull him away. So, yeah, it's fine. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm still, you know, obviously bitter about it, but as long as we get J.P. Estrella Friday, next Friday after we beat the shit out of Ball State at home, get two W's and span of two days for Tennessee athletics, I think we'll be good. Yeah. I mean, obviously to touch on like the whole uh, 
the people were playing, the talent were playing on our schedule to get that number two seed you were talking about. Obviously, you got to have the wins over top talent. So that and all, you win those games, that'll fix itself. But going on to the recruiting part, obviously, you know, if obviously you don't land some guys, it's going to be something to worry about with all the guys going out. But you have to remember uh, Rick Barnes last year, just, you know, a couple months ago, you know, put his feet in the ground, ball, huge, you know, huge energy, allowing, you know, people to write the checkbook for Julian Phillips, you know, getting that huge recruit late against Auburn when they wanted him super, super bad, sealing him from Auburn and an $800,000 G League contract. So that tells me that Tennessee, if they want somebody and they're heavily recruiting, like they're going to go out there and spend the money and they're going to take some losses, maybe trying to do it the right way. But I think when it gets closer and closer and closer, Tennessee, you know, obviously, like it says, going into college, it's not over until signing day and then uh, signing that contract, you know, in basketball and, you know, NIL on the table. Tennessee can do, you know, crazy things with Rick Barnes. Only a few years, you know, probably more in his tank, man. This guy obviously stayed from last year, that that run last year, stayed this year, landed Julian Phillips. He wants to win. He wants to go out and solidify his career, his legacy. And I think he wants like an elite eight or a final four finish to, you know, be comfortable with doing that. And to do that, you have to go out there and you have to, you know, go get talent. And whatever it takes to get that talent in this day and age where it's legal now, you got to go do it. So all in all, excited about basketball. You know, it's crazy to talk about with football three weeks away, two weeks away, but basketball is three months away. Um, we have three huge programs now, basketball, baseball, and football that are all thriving that we talk about every single week. But to have the news filled up, like it's like not every week where like we like don't have to like cancel a show from not having information. Like it's fully, fully packed. And, you know, even though it's quiet over there, like the team's still working, getting workouts in now as football approaches. So super excited about that. And hopefully we can land that kid. Uh, over Iowa here soon so yeah absolutely uh you know it's always you know especially good for like the offseason when you're doing you're when you're one of the top 10 top 15 best teams in the country for basketball and baseball so Thanks. football around the corner really exciting stuff basketball only three months away you know mm-hmm. no we're not a basketball school even though we try to tell our, ourselves that we we low-key kind of yeah. are but football around the corner though Good news towards basketball. Hopefully get some commitments finally. And then hopefully Josh Heifel and the boys can continue on the Cruton trail, you know, snagging these four-star DBs. So I'm excited. Skybox next Friday. You didn't hear it the first time or the second time or the third time, for that matter. Skybox bar next Friday. Troy Fleming, Jabari Davis, the entire ATB crew as well. Live kickoff show, going to go game-by-game game analysis, wins-losses prediction, announce the loser's punishment on top of that, and as right. well questions and, you know, fan Q&A as well. So it's going to be a hell of a time. Yeah, I mean, like what Drew said, obviously the live show next week. You can come meet us in person, watch us do what we're doing right now, but at a crazy Knoxville bar, drink beer with us, maybe other beverages with us as well get crazy vault for life like and then also ask us questions pretty much for free as long as you pay your tab on the way out i mean that's pretty much all you got to do obviously we don't we're over there doing the show so obviously the perks are going to be nice but like drew said obviously come the punishments are going to be crazy like the list we have together it's stupid like that 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 list is so stupid but i think we're actually going to do it which is going to be like even more stupid and then um obviously come in dress best uh whatever old jersey you have crazy costume you have when you were like five years old as a vault for life or for Halloween, whatever you got. I know y'all people are crazy to listen to the show. So come out, come dress, get hype. Um, it's going to be fun. Packed on a Friday night, 22nd birthday for me and uh, a full first meeting. Uh, Skybox Bar and Grill, South Gay Street. Definitely pull up uh, Drew next week. I'm going to be meeting you in person, my brother. Crazy events. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great show. I got like you know, folks coming in, flying in from Prague. For oh yeah, it. it's so, gonna be packed like Neyland Stadium in here. It's gonna be tight. I want you people to get in your checkerboard overalls, wear your all orange suits. I don't care. I want it to be the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and I'm here for it. So yeah, yeah. I know pastly on the past of the show, we didn't promote violence on Jeff Massius in the baseball season. We have full uh, full clearance from the Skybox owner bar and grill uh, approval. 
to do all this and to announce all this. So definitely come out and get mad, get angry. They want to see y'all show up. They want to see y'all get hyped for the football season and definitely see y'all get rowdy. Um, can't think of a better way to kick off the season. Going to be hype uh, nine days away. So super excited to see y'all. Super excited to be there. Don't be afraid to show out. And Drew, I guess this is now appropriate to ask you any closing statements. No, I mean, I guess the only statements I got is that, you know, 22 days till football season, nine days till live kickoff show at Skybox Bar and Grill. Basketball on the rise, only three months away. Hopefully, finally, you know, cutting some breaks on the recruiting trail. And uh, Brando, it's going to be a fun football season, man. I'm fired Uh, up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, me and you having to carry the brand. Uh, Alex and Lowe being away for respective reasons. Lowe carrying the sponsorships. Alex trying to be a doctor, like I said. Um, always a pleasure to hop on here. Me and you, Drew, the dynamic duo, excited for football season. I know me and you are going to be there loud and proud two weeks later at Ball State after Skyblock. So excited for that. Um, super excited. Great show. Excited for the, the live show in a week or two or nine days. I keep fucking it up. Ten days, nine days, whatever. So super excited for that. Uh, huge, huge news on the recruiting trail of football around and 20 days and counting. So huge great show and i guess that's going to do it for us me yes, drew appreciate y'all for joining us and uh have a good one go balls absolutely go balls